0: You'd be welcome to join us. We'll be sure to save a seat for you. Now, here's this week's sermon. The reading comes from Luke 18, chapter 8, chapter 18, verse 27. But he said, The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Thank you. Be seated. Good morning. Good morning. It is good to be with you again this morning so quick, you know. Uh, I don't have an opportunity uh, to preach uh, just real often. We have fully capable men uh, ready to fill this pulpit. Uh, But I do look forward to the opportunity. I have looked forward, uh, I I got a little more notice this week. Wednesday, I believe, uh, Stephen was uh, going to isolation for five days. And so given the opportunity to speak to you this morning, I would like to say that um, I've got a couple of three objectives uh, today that I would like to try to accomplish. First and foremost, I would like for us to be able to open and read and study the Bible together. Now, if you, if you see in your front pew, there's a, there should be a Bible available to everyone here today. If you can get to one, if there's not one, uh, I'll be asking you, and I won't even look up to see who has a Bible, I'll just say, can you read? No, I really won't. Oh, I don't know. Uh, But if I were you, if you can at all, I want you to be a participant today in our Bible study together. A participant, you know, when we pray, we pray together. When we commune, we commune together. Everything we do in worship, hopefully we do together. I see no reason that separates when someone stands behind the pulpit and starts to pronounce a lesson. We, we study together. And that's my first objective. My second objective is to keep these stitches intact. I've got about, I don't know, Catherine, I think it's 80 stitches in my lip. Well, maybe closer to eight, but there are some. I've already failed somewhat this morning. My my intention, and you say, well, how did you prepare this morning? The hardest thing was to figure out what to wear this morning. And let me tell you what, I don't want you to notice me. This is the oldest tie I have. I thought, well, I've worn this tie probably more to church than any other, so that won't be noticeable. I wore a blue jacket, which most, I'm sure a blue jacket maybe would be uh, the most predominant. That won't be noticeable. Uh, I've got khaki pants on. That's not noticeable. Um, and I do have tennis shoes on, which I wear all the time now. I've got little feet issue. And by the way, I have had people that comment to me about the tennis shoes. So you're wearing tennis shoes to church? Yes, I am. And by the way, the tennis shoes with the inserts in them cost more than any of your shoes cost. I promise you so that I'm not shirking. I don't want to be noticed. It's not about me. You know, I looked up here today and I am so sad that it's not here. For the 30 some odd years that John preached up here and then for up until I don't know how many years ago, maybe now, there there was a little plaque here. And it said, it was a little silver plaque and John always kept it right there. And it said, sir, I would see Jesus. He didn't come here to see me today. He didn't come here to serve me. He didn't come here to worship me. And if any part of you leaves here today only concerned about what I said, only concerned about my presentation and you are no closer to Jesus than you were when you came, I have failed miserably. I have failed miserably. And that goes for any other speaker that stands before you at any time or fashion. You know, I was humbled, am no, I'm humbled. I'm trying to see where one of my favorite people are. I won't stop but I'll just make sure she's here. Last week, two weeks ago, I got down and a dear lady said, I tell you, I've, I, well, it was, it was a compliment. And I'm thankful for several compliments. But, you know, last, two weeks ago, the lesson had to do with the, with the uh, Bible becoming personal to you with the message of the gospel becoming personal. And my intention was to make sure that you understood that when you read the Holy Word of God, it's not a message to me that you read about. It is to you. And I may mention that somehow in my studies, it helps me to uh, maybe say even before a paragraph or a verse, Gary, now Gary, Now Gary, now I went to lunch with Brad Cook uh, last Sunday and he said, you sure do like to hear your name a lot from the pulpit. Well, that wasn't the point. I want you to replace your name sometimes when you read. And uh, I got a couple of notes and a call this week and a compliment was given above and beyond all and that was this. Gary, this week I started writing in my Bible my name before a verse. I wrote in my Bible my name before I started reading that chapter. Makes a difference. makes a difference when it becomes personal. Well, that's what the lesson was about Uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I don't know, I I don't, the older I get, individuals in my Wednesday night class will tell you that that the less I believe in accidents. Well, that was an accident or that was a coincidence. I don't know how many, I don't know, Doug, I've said, coincidences don't believe much in them anymore. But last week, two weeks ago, I keep saying last week, but two weeks ago when I stepped down, I had the lesson planned for me mm, as about as long as it took for me to get down here to there till my buddy Robert over here came down and said, Gary, uh, for 15 or 20 minutes notice, that was a good lesson. But did you think in that lesson that the real lesson was the obstacles? that were overcome by Zacchaeus. No, my note was how personal it was and that Jesus knew him by name. And that was a great lesson, I think. But there's another lesson found in the scriptures that we read two weeks ago that I'd like to review just a couple of those. And also look at, there there are a myriad of lessons that could, but to look at obstacles that we face, that you face, And by the way, the obstacles that you face, because what Zacchaeus needed was to get closer to Jesus. What the blind man needed was to get closer to Jesus. We're going to read another example about getting closer to Jesus. Guess what we share in common? We all need to get closer to Jesus. And all of us have different obstacles that stand in our way from time to time. All of us do. Got your Bible? Got your Bible? David, do you have your Bible? You following me? Okay. I'm going to be reading and I'm going to review two of the verses that, uh, that we read two weeks ago. One being Luke 18, Luke 18, verses 35 through 43. In your pew Bible, that would be page 1620. I'm going to be rather deliberate, first of all, to give you a chance to turn, and another is to, once again, I I won't be yelling today because I won't yell or laugh. Both of them hurt. But I would like for you to turn to Luke 18, 35 through 43, which I will read to you. Then it happened, as Peter was coming near Jericho, that a certain blind man sat by the road begging. And hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. So they told him that Peter the Apostle of Christ is passing by. And he cried out, Peter, have mercy on me. And then the, how we doing? How we doing, Derek? Not even close. If you don't have a Bible, would you have believed it? trust me that much now there are some my mother my mother and father neither one could have fought along with the reading of those five or six verses they as far as reading and writing wasn't where they were there are children here that that's not where they are but if you're able to study if you're blessed and able to read don't trust me that much this morning. You follow with me, you make sure. Because what I speak to you, and if, 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 I'm not sure what dare say would prevent anyone from wanting to open your Bible, I'm not sure. But I ask you as a courtesy to take pressure off me. Let's try this again, Luke eighteen thirty-five through 43. Derek, I loved that look you gave me, like, boy, I lost you, didn't I? Stacy, I lost you, didn't I? Then it happened as he was coming near Jericho that a certain blind man sat by the road begging, and hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, and he cried out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those who went warned him, saying that he should be quiet. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And so Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near him, he asked him, saying, What do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And then Jesus said, Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. Just make two quick notes about this review, first of all. We understood about the healing, about Jesus' miraculous power. But I want to make a challenge here. We had a gentleman that was blind, so he couldn't see Jesus. Obstacle number one. But he had another obstacle. And in verse 39, Then those who went before him warned him that he should be quiet that he should be quiet. Can you imagine he's blind and someone standing between him and his hope? Shh, be quiet. Do you know how long that that man, that that blind man had to make a decision on whether or not he listened to the group or the crowd, or the multitude, or he cried out one more time, have mercy on me. It was a fine window. Sometimes we have a fine window in pleading for help and getting it. What if Jesus had passed by and he listened to the crowd? What if he would let Jesus pass by and he said, okay. Okay. Then we come to the principal part two weeks ago of the lesson. Jesus comes to Zacchaeus' house, and that's found in Luke 19, 1 through 10. If you'll turn to that, and that's on page 1620 as well. You won't have to go far. Luke 19, 1 through 10, we read. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich, and he sought to see Jesus was but could not because of the crowd, for he was short of stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, and he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must stay at your house. My lesson for two weeks ago was, how did he know his name? The same way he knows yours. The same way he knows mine. I was created. And so were you. Zacchaeus was no stranger. He was a man in a tree. It seemed odd. But you, you have Zacchaeus here, so let's switch to the lesson Robert said. Well, look at the obstacles. What obstacles did Zacchaeus... Well, okay, he achieved what he needed... He, he received forgiveness. He got to see Jesus. Of course, it says he was short in stature. We had a crowd. He could have said, well, I won't get to see Jesus today. <laughs> no, there's a tree. Where's your tree? Or would I have said, well, I guess I missed him today. He was a tax collector for the Roman government. Hated most likely by the whole crowd. He was rich. Which is we would say that Jesus would point out as an obstacle at times in and of itself. But none of that mattered. You see, the crowd telling the blind man to shh didn't matter because he needed Jesus desperately. Being short didn't matter. Being despised didn't matter because a kiss needed Jesus desperately. Don't we? Now, I would like, if you would, now to turn to the principal passage for today, and that would be Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. I'll be looking at verses 1 through 12. And it will be page 1546. 1546 in your pew Bible. Mark chapter 2, verses 2, 1 through 12. And you know when you read your bible most bibles have if there are parallel passages especially in the gospels where uh, accounts are repeated uh, Matthew 9 and Luke 5 and if you'll just hold where you are in Mark 2 but i would like to at least address the account of uh, And give you a note that it's real healthy if there are parallel accounts in your Bible, if there are different uh, descriptions of events by different authors, uh, read all if you have a chance. Because in Matthew 9 we read, and I will read this. So he got into a boat and crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, they brought him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. And at once some of the scribes said with themselves, This man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you or to say arise and walk? But you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said then to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. And now the multitude saw it, and they marveled and they glorified God, who had given such power to men. Now that account is in Matthew chapter 9. I prefer Mark 2 verse 1 through 12 because of a, a little more information. If you just read this particular verse, you won't get the full picture about what's going on that day or what went on that day. But look, as we read together, Mark 2, 1 through 12. And again, he entered Capernaum. After some days. And it was heard that he was in the house. Now we're talking about Jesus. And immediately many gathered together. So that there was no longer room to receive them. Not even to the door. We are crowded. We are full up. Can't get to Jesus. Can't hear him. Can't see him. And he preached the word to them. All that was in his hearing. And then they came to him bringing him a paralytic who was carried by four four men. Now we find there's four men that brought this man to Jesus. And when they could not near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let the bed on which the paralytic was lying and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. Now that's kind of, if you just stop there, I want to ask you a question. Why did the four men bring Jesus or bring this man to Jesus? Just mull it in your mind. When you read this, you would automatically assume that the man was brought to Jesus to be healed of his paralysis. Kind of of think about that. Did Jesus, once the man was in his presence, heal him of his paralysis? Was that the first healing that took place? David, there would be No. What did he do? He forgave his sins. You are healed. See, keep first things first. Jesus, knowing full well possibly what was coming forward. Physical healing was going to take place, but first and foremost, let there be no misunderstanding for anyone in the auditorium that is listening to us or anyone by way of radio or Facebook or whatever you're able to join us with. The forgiveness of our sins is far and away above in first place our need rather than physical healing. I truly believe that Jesus at this particular case taught us a valuable lesson. First things first. First things first. And some of the scribes were sitting there reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemy like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say arise and take up your bed and walk? Of course, those individuals could not see actual sins being forgiven. But what they could see is when he said, take up your bed bed and walk they could see him physically walk what jesus would say let me tell you let's paraphrase forgiveness of sins were a lot harder to do than take up your bed and walk that was easy it cost christ his shed blood to forgive us our sins when you look at the three cases that we just looked at and when we looked at them and we talk about what our obstacles are for the lesson today. The blind man was blind. He was a beggar. He was told to be quieted by the crowd. Zacchaeus was short. The crowd was large. He was despised. I doubt that anybody helped him climb the tree. Jacob, if we were in a tree, here's what I need for you to do. I need for you to lift me up and put me in the tree. Good? I doubt that anybody was going to help Zacchaeus climb the tree. He had no allies. He was an enemy, despised. All alone. Save Jesus. The paralyzed man, probably the least of all, uh, probably had all of... uh, He was at the mercy. Paralyzed. He did have four friends, but obviously he alone were not gonna be able to achieve where he needed to be or where he needed to go. And that lesson in and of itself is around you at some point in time in your life, you'll find a paralyzed man. Maybe not physically, maybe spiritually. Are you one are you the one that was put in that person's life to help? Are you one of the four? Oh, well, it was just an accident these four men were put around him. Don't you believe that in a heartbeat? The blind man kept yelling. has found a tree. The paralyzed man had four friends and they had something in common. Nothing kept them from getting to where they needed to be question is this what's keeping you from where you need to be what's keeping me from being where I need to be what's keeping me from being closer to Jesus what obstacle stands in my way sometimes one of our business obstacles is not to know what the obstacle is Oh, maybe deep down we know it, we just don't recognize it. Why don't you look at one more verse with me, please? Turn to page 1563 of your Pew Bible, 1563, and it's Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. And there are three accounts Matthew 19, Luke 18, as well as Mark 10. We'll stay in Mark 10, Mark 10, 17 through 22. And now, as he was going out on the road, one came running and knelt before him and asked him, "'Good teacher, what shall I do that I might have eternal life?' So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not commit murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. And then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. Now, if we go back two weeks and we change the way that I read this, here's how I would read it. Gary, a man was coming and he came and he ran up to me and he wanted to know what shall I do have eternal life? And I said to him, I know you do all these good things. Would you like one thing? Go sell what you have. And I can imagine Gary and say, Gary, the reason I told him that is I knew his heart. I knew what stood before. I knew what stood between us. I knew what kept him from being committed. And then some of the saddest words in all of the Bible that you'll read and verse 22, but he is sad at this word and went a sorrowful because he had great possessions. Oh, 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 rich young ruler. Didn't want it bad enough. When he got the answer, he didn't want it bad enough. When you get the answer, when you when you see in your life what would get here's where I need to be, and this is what's keeping me from it. Do you want to be there bad enough, or is it a passing fancy? If you ask me anything else, anything else, Gary. Yes, I want to be where I, I want to be closer to Jesus. I just that's just something I can't give. That's an obstacle I can't get by. You say it's impossible and God says all things are possible. You say I'm tired and God says I will give you rest. You say but nobody really loves me anyway. God says, I love you. You say, I can't go on. And God would say, my grace is sufficient for you. You can. You say, I can't figure things out. I don't know what to do. I will direct your step, God says. You say, I'm not able. God says, I am able. You say, it's not worth it. God says, it will be worth it. You say, I can't forgive myself. How can you forgive me? And God says, I will forgive you. I can't imagine. No, you can't. But God says, I'll supply all of your needs. I'm afraid. I've not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of courage. I'm always worried and I'm frustrated. And God says, cast your cares on me. Oh, I don't have enough faith. That's my obstacle. Not enough faith. I've given you a measure of faith in me. I'm not smart enough. Oh, I will give you wisdom. I feel alone this morning. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I just can't do it. Turn to page 1806. 1806 of your pew bible and if you would like to turn to your bible it's philippians 4 verses 6 and 7 see if i can't get to it in this bible right here should be the one you have open in front of you right now or you're getting there Verse 6, Philippians. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now go to verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There's not one challenge. There's not one obstacle today that stands between you and your Lord that cannot be overcome. For many of us, it's pride. For many of us, uh, the danger with naming what might be a challenge for you is that I have to judge. I only know the challenges that are mine, but we all have them. What I'm asking you today is to want to be closer to Jesus more than anything else. More than anything else. Don't shh. Don't let anybody shh. Don't let whatever obstacle falls in your way want it that bad to be the person you know you should be. And it doesn't mean, well, I'm a baptized believer. Gary, I was baptized. Okay. Okay. Are you the husband you need to be? Are you the wife you need to be? Are you the son, the daughter, the father, the mother, the neighbor, the Sunday school teacher, the deacon, the elder, the preacher? Whatever role you play in your life with yourself and others, are you where you need to be? Well, no, I'm not, Gary. Or I would say, no, congregation, I'm not, and this is what's standing in my way. With the grace of God, I can be. Perfect? No. But by the grace of God and his help, I can be. You know, two weeks ago, no, last week, Tobias Ranzi was baptized. I'm not sure what obstacles there were along the way for Tobias, a young man. I do know this, oh, I'm about to get in trouble. Happy anniversary, 1978, February the 12th, my wife was baptized. Any obstacles? You have no idea. You have no idea. (laughs) Thankfully they didn't matter. Because you wanted it that bad. You gotta want it real bad, sometimes, real bad. The question is for you today, Do you want it? Do you want to be better? Do you want to be closer to Jesus? Do you want to be who you can be? We're going to have the opportunity to sing an imitation song. And it's page, I tell you what, why don't you turn that to me? It's not the Bible, but turn to page 564 of your hymn, 564. I'll read these few words and then Derek, I'm going to let you sing them. I'm just going to read them. 564. I must tell Jesus all of my trials. I cannot bear these burdens alone. In my distress, he will kindly help me. He ever loves me, cares for his own. I must tell Jesus all of my troubles. He is a kind, compassionate friend. If I but ask him, he will deliver. Make of my troubles quickly an end. Oh, how the world to evil allures me. Oh, how my heart is tempted to sin. I must tell Jesus, and He will help me over the world the victory to win. As we sing it, I ask you to believe it. As you sing, think of the words Do you need help? And this morning, not me. Don't come down this aisle. Well, there'll be elders here, but really the invitation is from the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning you can make a difference in the rest of your life. And when I say, that, see I'm 67, 68, I'll be 68 this year. And my number of times in this pulpit are not as many as they were 30 or 40 years ago. Trust me, I take it much more, every word I speak and everything I say, and when I look at the people that I I love dearly, the closest I friends and the loved ones and family I have in this life are in this room. Trust me, I have but one aim. And that is to please my Heavenly Father to the best of my ability. And my fervent prayer is that you might do the same and have the strength to do so. And I plead. And I am not too good to beg because it should mean that much. I want to say this. If you marked in your Bibles today, I want to say this. I meant to say this earlier. Some people... Don't come where we're going. You may have a Bible and you may have not have one at home. If you don't have one at home, take one with you today when you go. They're these little black Bibles. If you need a Bible and you don't have one, I'll tell you what you do. You grab one. So this week you have one. And if you're listening to us by way of radio or watching and you don't have a Bible at home, if you'll call the office tomorrow or you'll call me this afternoon, my number is two nine three zero eight eight one. or text me, we'll get you a Bible this week. Everybody deserves to have one. And I'll guarantee you we can replace them. But if what you've studied and what you understand and what you know from what you've been able to read and the relationship that you share, if we can help you in any way, form, or fashion this morning, you can come forward as we stand and sing.